You're about to watch a great interview on TYT interviews. If you wanna watch them live, members are the only ones who get to do that. TYTnetwork.com slash join, become a member, enjoy the interviews as they happen. Welcome uh, to a very interesting interview with Larry Sanders. Uh, he is a parliamentary candidate here in Oxford East. Yes, I'm in Oxford in, in England. Uh, he's also the health spokesperson for the Green Party of England and Wales. Uh, and also happens to be the brother of Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah. Uh, so interesting on several different fronts. Larry, uh, thank you for appearing on The Young Turks. It's a pleasure. All right, and thank you for having me in your home. Thank uh, you. I'm, I'm glad you're here. We met last in the chaos of Philadelphia. This is a bit yeah, more peaceful. It is. It's very peaceful here. Wow, it's a beautiful, quaint British home. Okay, so um, you came to the UK in the sixties uh, and sixty-eight. Yeah, and and uh, and Bernie stayed in in the US. And Bernie went to Vermont in, in the same year. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and so you both went into politics, uh, and and Bernie is still in the, uh, he's an independent, but caucusing with the Democrats. Yes. You, on the other hand, uh, left Labor and went to the Green Party in 2001. That's right. Right. Now, there's a lot to talk about, but let's start with uh, the upcoming elections here in, in uh, Britain. So, uh, Jeremy Corbyn was down by 24 points. He's now down by nine points. Uh, but there's only a couple of weeks left, and obviously there was the bombing here, so they suspended the campaigning. Yes. Except for Theresa May, who's on TV nonstop. So, <laughs> but you're in the Green Party. Yes. So, what, what's your take here on Labor versus Green, especially in a situation uh, like this? Well, uh, the first thing I want to start off with saying is that the Conservative Party now here is more right-wing than I almost ever can remember it. So it's a very destructive government. Uh, the Labour Party up until three weeks ago had policies that were very similar to the Conservatives based on a long history through Blair and so on. Three weeks ago or so they published their new manifesto and it's an incredibly much better manifesto and I'm delighted that they've done it. It's not great for us politically, for the Green Party politically, because we've had those policies forever. Uh, higher minimum wage, free uh, university tuition, building affordable housing, all that stuff that the Labour Party had cut out of their policies, we had them. But now that we're competing against the Labour Party, which says that they're in favor of those things, it's much harder for us, but it is better for the country. So I have to say that the country is more important than the Green Party, or any party actually. There are complications in that though. The people who are standing in the uh, for Labour, three quarters of those people who are likely to be elected to Parliament last year voted no confidence in Corbyn, so they don't approve of him, and it's not him personally, it's his policies. So those policies that I think were wrong-headed three weeks ago are the policies of a majority of the Labour Party. So we're going forward, in, and I don't have an answer to this. I don't know, it doesn't mean that I'm saying to people, don't vote Labour because most of them are not very good, or vote Labour because Corbyn needs a boost. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that we're not at the end of a political process. We're at a very early stage in it. And I think really what comes to my mind is Bernard's mantra. This is not just about elections. Elections are very important. It is about a political revolution. It is a political movement. And we will not, no matter what happens in this election, we're not at the end of it. We're going to have to fight day and night. And the thing I will talk about probably a bit is the National Health Service, which as an American coming from the chaos of American health service, the expense and the lack of inclusivity and all the rest of that, to come to a country where it's simple. 
you go to the doctor, the doctor says, talks to you about what's wrong. If you need it, you get the tests. If the test shows that something needs to be done, it gets done. Sometimes you wait a few weeks extra. If it's very urgent, it's done quickly. That seems weird. <laughs> so I so I fell in, not only did I fall in love with with my wife who drew me to Britain, uh, I fell in love very much with the country, but more than everything anything else, the humanity of the NHS. Yeah, I also like that uh, you, you're the only person who calls him Bernard, uh, Bernard <laughs> Sanders. I might I might. Well, I could, did that for the first twenty years. I it <laughs> sounds strange in my book. I do know that he's called Bernie. For a lot of people at home that are not as familiar with the British system including me. Um, so if, if a, a Green Party candidate wins, for example, in Oxford East, um, does it matter that much? Because um, won't, when, uh, if Labour were to put together a government, they would put it together with Green anyway, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. If we're, I mean, we're only going to win a, f a handful of seats at best. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it's a close election, if one side or another wins in a majority or whatever, they'll make their own government. If it's very close, they will have to put together what they can. And certainly, I, I can't believe that Labour wouldn't come to the Greens. So I, I think the answer to that is it wouldn't matter very much at all. I'm certainly not going to vote for, if I was elected, I'm not going to vote for Theresa May under any circumstances. I'm not going to vote for a conservative Lib Dem coalition under any circumstances. I will be happy to do business with Corbyn and I will support him. All those social justice issues that the Green Party has been fighting for over the years, which Corbyn personally has been with us most of the time. Uh, it's just the rest of the Labour Party hasn't been. Well, I will support him on all those things. Where the Labour Party is doing has some stupid ideas like Tried, they want to build Trident because 100 billion pounds to threaten somebody with nuclear weapons. Nobody has figured out who it is we're threatening, but, <laughs> but, but the money has to be spent anyway. Well, those Scottish are thinking of it. I, 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 I'm worried about them as well. <laughs> okay, so um, what happened in the Labour Party? Because you left during the Tony Blair era, right? That's right. And so they became very conservative. That I'm not surprised by the same thing that happened. Absolutely to, the same. Into the Democratic Party in America. But what happened recently that all of a sudden Jeremy Corbyn, a lot like Bernard Sanders, uh, <laughs> who, had the, who had been saying the same things for the last 40 years but was not in vogue, all of a sudden surged to leadership. What, what, what happened? There? Well, what happened is that the Labour Party made a mistake. They, th there was a lot of talk. Oh, it's undemocratic. You only the MPs uh, elect uh, the leader, and therefore the prime minister. It ought to be thrown open to the party. But they didn't think too carefully. They really, in that bubble, they thought, oh, we're the party. Of course, we're the party. They must agree with us. And the, but it turned out that the people didn't. They didn't agree with the austerity that they were supporting. They did, and so on. And certainly hadn't agreed with the Iraq War. Uh, some years ago. Uh, so what happened is they went to the party. Corbyn surprisingly was nominated one of the candidates. He needed a certain number of MPs and a few of them who didn't like him said, oh, it's good for the image of the party that we should have a range of candidates. We'll throw you our nomination. You won't going to get anywhere anyway. Yeah. And then shock horror, the people turned out, the members of the Labour Party turned out not to agree with the members of the parliament. So when did they change that uh, so that the uh, people started voting? Well, so a couple of years ago. Just a couple of years ago. Just so a couple of years ago. The very and the very first election they had under the new system, mm -hmm. Corbyn won. 
And is, is that just for the Labour Party? Again, I'm not as familiar with the British system. Do the Conservatives not do that? The Conservatives do not do that. Okay. So, well, that almost by definition makes Labour more responsive to the people because they're at least yes. having yes. a vote of the people. Yeah. The argument the Parliamentary Labour Party says we were elected by millions of voters and you only had half a million or whatever party members. Uh, so that's their argument. But, the, but basically what you're saying is right. Instead of a couple of hundred people choosing potential next uh, prime minister, several hundred thousand people, in, in, effectively a primary. Right. And there's, of course, something else afoot, which is that Bernie Sanders uh, would not have closed a 60-point lead on Hillary Clinton even eight years ago, let alone 12, etc. Uh, and I don't think Corbyn probably would not have won hmm. eight or 12 years ago. But I think that people are, are very disenchanted with this you know, what some call the neoliberal yes. uh, agenda, this, what I call generally the establishment agenda, and they told us for 40 years that it was going to trickle down on us. <laughs> Something's trickled down <laughs> on us, but it isn't prosperity. Uh, so there's a great disgruntlement. Well, what do you think uh, Corbyn's chance of winning are? Well, according to the polls and so on, he's not supposed to win, but uh, Bernard wasn't supposed to do well. So I, the answer is I have no idea. Yeah. Any uh, more than anyone. Yeah, I... I, I I know the polls say that he's down by nine, and but I, I tend to think it's uh, too close to call. Mm. Um, and then uh, the people keep surprising the pundits yes. all over the world. Absolutely. So I'm hoping there's one more surprise there. So um, be, before we get back to Bernard and, and the U.S., let's stay uh, here for uh, your your passion here, which is healthcare, which is also Bernie's passion yes. in a lot of ways in the U.S. Yes. And so, um, what's happening with the NHS? That you know, obviously, yeah, you love yeah. that system that is yes. talked about here. But it, do you have concerns now? Well, I have concerns. If you don't mind, I'll go back to Bernard for this. Because uh -huh. growing up, we knew that our mother had, from childhood, a serious heart problem. She'd had rheumatic fever as a child, and some day or other, it was going to burst and, and, and become a huge problem. So, in the back of our minds, I think we grew up knowing that there was a ser serious problem, and knowing that while my father had hospitalization through his work. We didn't know if it was enough. So I think the seeds of it perhaps come from that, this sense that health care is so important, it's life and death for your parent, for your love for people. And you can have a system which makes it impossible for you to get the care you need. So I have a feeling that in addition to our general feeling that a country ought to run for you know, the sake of the people of the country, there was a particular thing about the life and death nature of healthcare. So now to, to come back to what's happening here, uh, the NHS is an incredibly good system. It's an incredibly efficient system in the sense that it's cheap. That meant that governments have often underfunded it because they could just about get by. Uh, over the last uh, six or eight years, the Conservatives have taken, I think it's something like 15 or 20 billion. The whole system runs to just over 100 billion. So they've taken 15 or 20 billion, a big chunk out. So you see scandals almost every day. A couple of weeks ago, two old people lie, were in an accident in emergency, waiting to be seen, waiting and waiting and waiting, lying on, on trolleys, and died before anybody could get to deal with them. Now, we see that, so the, the system is, the, the British Medical Association and so on have said it is on the verge of destruction. So the conservative solution to the, being on the verge is to throw it over the cliff. They've got a plan now for 22 billion more cuts over the next three or four years. In the, in the NHS, in any health service, 
Money is people. You, money, the main thing that you spend your money on is staff, doctors, nurses, all the hundreds of other occupations. We will lose those people. We will lose those hospital beds. You cannot have an effective system without that. People, I mean, you, the politicians like to say these things in a way. They don't like to say them, but they do. This is life and death. Actually, one of the rare times it really is life and death. So they, they've, they're cutting the amount of money going in. They privatized large chunks already and expect that as people see that the only way to get service is to pay for it, people who can will scrape together the money, a downward spiral for the NHS. And the third thing that hardly anybody is talking about is what they call social care. You get patched up in hospital, but you're an older person, you've got three or four major illnesses going at once, you can still be having quite a nice life, but you go home, you don't necessarily, aren't necessarily able to care for yourself, even to feed yourself, to dress yourself, to get out to meet people and have a real life and not just look at four walls all day. That's called social care. In addition to that nursing home care where you come to the point where it's, you need so much help that it can't be done in your own home and you want good care. You want to go to a nice friendly place that looks after you and is near, fairly near to where you grew up, where you lived all your life. Those things have been cut and privatized. So we've got a whole whammy, triple whammy of things coming against us and one thing impacts on the other of course. If you can't look after people in their own homes, they end up in hospital. You end up in hospital, you haven't got the facilities to get them out, the hospital gets clogged up and people who need to come in can't come in. So we're, we're facing a disaster. Now the Labour Party, I think I said this just before, three weeks ago had policies very similar to the Conservatives. Their policies now are much better. They're not good enough the, the BMA, the British Medical Association, says we need immediate injection to avert disaster of 10 billion pounds. Right, you know, next week, Green Party agrees. Labour Party went from 2 billion, which is roughly what the Conservatives were offering, to 6 billion. So they're halfway there. If I get elected to Parliament, I will be supporting Corbyn on a lot of things, and some things I'll be pushing him. I'll be saying, "Look, you know, and I know what we need. Why not go for it?" So I, th I think that they, it's unlikely, but I think the people of Oxford East have a chance to elect somebody who will be even more effective than a Labour uh, yeah. MP. Yeah, so as you described how they're privatizing healthcare yes. slowly here, yes. it reminded me of how they're doing privatizing education in America. Yes. And the more they starve the public schools of Absolutely. money, the more it drives people to the private schools, the more money that they make, but the worse the education system gets. Yes. And, and of course, for healthcare, uh, it's already privatized in America, and, yes. and in a lot of ways disastrous. I just interviewed this former CEO of Kaiser Permanente, and he talks about how the British system and the European system is far superior, actually, uh, and less weights. Uh, I, I asked for a checkup for my doctor just a couple of days ago, and uh, and I and I got a checkup uh, two months later. <laughs> so they say you wait long in Britain. Are, are you kidding me? We got to wait two months to get a checkup in America. The private system isn't working. Yes. So on, on that note, you know, people, uh, especially the media and certainly the politicians, they hype up terrorism um, mm. because it's understandable, right? We had the bombing oh. here in Manchester. Yes. It's heartbreaking, right? Absolutely. And you see those kids, an eight-year-old died, and, in, you know, you think of your own kids or grandkids, mm. etc. But why isn't it equally heartbreaking or more so when so many more people die from health care issues? Yes. Uh, I mean, the scale of the number of people who uh, are hurt by underfunding health care versus terrorism is, is 
enormous. Yes, absolutely. Well, what do you think is going on there? Why do we have all well, these priorities? Well, the, the, the received wisdom, and I think it's probably true, is you react to the particular person. You see a, a child blown to pieces. It, it can't but impact on you. You read a story that says, as a recent story said, research said, 30,000 excess deaths due to the cuts in health and social care. It, it, it hits. You say, oh, Christ, that's terrible. But 30,000 in a piece of newspaper, it doesn't hit here. So perhaps that's the simple answer. I, I've been working with carers groups now for 20 years, and I go to meetings. I've stopped going to meetings, actually. All, I go to some of them, but not all. Because every one of them, there's a terrible individual story. Somebody sits along, side. There's a woman in her late 80s, got cancer. She's still feisty. Uh, she's got a son who's been disabled from birth. He's blind. He can't use his legs. His brain is completely there. He went to a, he'd been going to a day center for years. Uh, friends, you know, a life. Not, not the richest life, but a life. They closed two-thirds of the day center, so they had to amalgamate them. So he now goes to a, was sent to a day center, mainly people with Alzheimer's. Here's this bright, middle-aged man who's physically very disabled. He's listening to a lot of noise and, and sorrow and, and whatnot. He doesn't go on to go again. That's the end of that. That mm -hmm. whole life of his is gone. And at the very same meeting, which hit me even harder, uh, one, one woman who's looking after her husband with Alzheimer's, and, she, and what she says is, is kind of a bureaucratic thing. She says, oh, they came and assessed us, and we're on the waiting list for incontinency supplies. Can you just take into your imagination that there is a bureaucratic structure for denying people the most basic thing for their, their dignity? Yeah, but I, I fault the media because if they wanted to, they could show the people who uh, yes. are dying in the hospital because yes. they're not getting sufficient care. Yes, you're right. Etc. But they they're choosing not to do those stories. Exactly, you're right too. But yeah. although some people don't want to be named, I mean it's a mixed thing. But basically, yes. if they wanted to, they would find a way. That's right. So uh, now let's let's talk about uh, Brexit. Of course, we have to because <laughs> we're in the UK and we all know that it was a shock to the system, uh, but. In the U.S., I don't think we have a great sense of what happened afterwards. So, have the British gotten used to the idea? Um, has there been any uh, economic aftershocks? What, what's happening here? Well, the, the first thing to say is that nothing has happened. We haven't left the European Union. That will take minimum of two years from now. Uh, so, there, and they have, and it was hyped on both sides. The world would end, you know, the day after if the other side won, and it hasn't ended. So, the people. Who were in favor of Brexit CC, it hasn't happened. But of course, nothing really has happened. Just to take a step backwards, though, the way that the Brexit vote happened, two things were, were very significant about it. First of all, just like the, with the election of Trump, the crucial bit was the addition of people who would normally not be expected to vote for that kind of thing, working class people, mainly in areas that have been hit by deindustrialization, the Rust Belt business. In Britain we had the same thing, Thatcher deindustrialized the country, 30, 20, 30, whatever years later, some of those areas have never recovered. So you've got people have never had a decent job for all those years, the young people have left the place, they're very angry. Finally they get a chance to say, no, all you big shots, you think you're so clever, you got talking big things about the world, and in globalization and so on, and you left us to stew all these years, sod you. So that, that 
that was the, not the whole vote by any means, but it was the margin. Mm-hmm. And so, so I take that as being very significant, the same way, obviously, that Trump is incredibly significant and his victory is incredibly significant. That's what I call the brick voters, uh, that they just want to grab a brick and throw it through the Absolutely, absolutely. And so that, that's why I actually have, again, um, I, I have, I'm much more hopeful that Corbyn will do well than the mm. rest of the pundits mm. because I think the brick voters are on Corbyn's side this time. Well, they started off not on his side, but it may turn out that they will end up on his side. Because yes. Theresa May, that is not a brick voter. <laughs> <laughs> she is a, yes. The, the other thing, I, the big thing I wanted to pick up is the, is the campaign was largely about immigrants. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be very clever to, to be very worried when your campaigns are about immigration because immigration is also about minorities, it's about hatred, it's about all those terrible things and the, the Europeans are just as good at the American as the Americans at being horrible to people that they identify as being other you know, and all that stuff. So to have a whole campaign which the big issue is we don't want them here is frightening at every level and and we're still in the aftermath of that. Yeah, when you touch that us versus them uh, rail, that it oftentimes is the third rail, and <laughs> yes, and uh, and it gets people at their core identity. Absolutely, and uh, and and it's scary stuff. And, yeah, and people yeah. stop being rational. Yeah. Uh, and and reflexively go, okay, well, I'm going to fight the others. Exactly. Um, so, and I think that's a huge part of what uh, progressives have to do all across the world, which is to broaden the idea of us. Yes. Because the more inclusive us is, the better progressives do. Better. Yes. And, and, and see, one of the things that happened here with the immigration is you tend to be good for a country. You get young, healthy, hardworking people coming to your country and work for you. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, but who gets the benefit of that? If it goes to the corporations, okay, they do well. But they're, what are they, a tenth of a percent? Nobody else does well, but they have they have to cope with the fact there are more people using the schools and the hospitals and whatnot. They don't necessarily re- resent that, but if that's the only impact, then they then many of them will resent it. So what you have to have is progressives have to run a decent society in which everybody gets a share, and if immigrants are contributing, which they do, then that's got to be shared out one way or another, whether through redistribution or however you do it. You have to make sure that people get the benefits. Yeah, and again, I turn the media and the power of propaganda because in America, undocumented immigrants pay into Social Security. Mm. They pay in uh, on a lot of taxes, especially the payroll tax, and actually never get it back. Same thing here. Yeah, so in a lot of ways, they put in more than than they get. They put in much more. But who gets it is the big qu- next question. Yeah, and uh, and it's easy to demagogue. And yeah. is Bernard going to run again? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't the slightest idea. He hasn't said no. I think the pundits have been noticing he hasn't said no. Uh, he's astonishingly healthy. I can't imagine when I was 20 I couldn't have run around the country like he's doing now. Uh, I'm not a bad example. I'm six years older than Bernard. I'm still I'm as active in and the, I think uh, the brain is as good as it was uh, 40 years ago. So I think it's not impossible. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think at the moment his activity is so effective and so important to the country. In my, I may be biased, but in my view he's become the opposition, the voice of the opposition to the Trump administration. 
Well, it's not just a matter of being biased because you're his brother. It's the it's the facts. Uh, he's the most popular politician in yep. in, in the whole country right now, yes. and and not only that, he's also the most popular politician in the Democratic Party. Uh, so, eighty uh, percent of Democrats support Bernie Sanders. So, when uh, they the establishment Democrats say. Uh, let's do unity. <laughs> I go, okay, great, a deal. They think we're going to say no. I say yes. Let's unify behind the most popular politician in the country. Makes sense. Right? Uh, it, it makes so much sense that any other argument is preposterous. So they say, no, let's unify behind a less popular <laughs> uh, you know, uh, politician or, or stance. And then I go, well, no, why, why would I do something stupid? <laughs> right? I would, yes. If yeah. I if all I cared about was politics, I would unite behind the most popular person That's right. in the country. So, uh, based on your answer, it sounds like there's a pretty healthy chance, to slight pun, there, <laughs> that, that he might run. Um, because he, I, I just saw him speak at a death penalty dinner in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, and it and it struck me that the whole reason why everybody thought he's not going to run is age, right? Hmm. And that we were making the same mistake that people made last time around, which is, oh no, Bernie can't win for X or Y or Z. And in this case, the Y was age. But I think that if you ask Americans, based again on the polling, he's now almost twice as popular as Donald Trump. Uh, Bernie at 79 or Trump at any age, <laughs> I think that they're going to say Bernie at 79. Yeah, yeah. And Trump's going to be 74. Yeah. And the establishment tells us that uh, that a very legitimate candidate is Joe Biden, who would be 78. <laughs> so what's the difference between 78 and 79? Yes. And and a friend of mine who's, who's a professional in this thing says there's a lot of evidence that from... Uh, Trump's utterances that over the years, some, his his mind, such as it ever was, is deteriorating. His mind, such as it ever was. <laughs> yes, uh, if that mind deteriorates, there is a. <laughs> and I and you know I went around with uh, Bernie during the campaign in California for a couple of days, and to your point, I couldn't believe that he had remained healthy through the primaries. Two days exhausted me, and he'd been doing it at that point for over a year. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yes. So uh, let, let's talk about the Democratic Party then. So they put him in leadership in the Senate. They went and did a unity tour. Uh, but again, they didn't really seem to want to unify around his ideas. So any sense of uh, where he stands now? Is he? Did he think that they were going to see the light and, and see reason and come towards him? And, and have they not done so? Well, I, I have to disappoint you. We don't talk, actually don't talk, first of all, where we used to talk very regularly every two weeks on a Sunday, since he's been doing crazy things, it's much you know, more scattered than that. But he, even when we talk all the time, we, do, we never, we talk much more about the grandchildren. Mm -hmm. I have, so mm -hmm. politically speaking, I know no more than anybody who reads his press. Yeah. Okay, then let me ask you your take on the Democratic Party, right? So, um, and, and I'm, that's not a try to wait back, mm, mm. a way to get to Bernie's point, yeah, you just yeah. said you don't talk I've about I've got that. my own. Yeah, so your point of view on, so Bernie tried this unity tour, you see it just as much as I see it and everybody sees it. Uh, what was your sense? Did that work, not work? Well, it didn't look like it worked. It, I think the fact that they were on the same platform was symbolic and worth something. Uh, but there is a clash. Uh, it's not made up. There is a difference in policy between the mainstream, which I, which I imagine 
the, ch the, the new chairman represents Moore uh, and Bernard's point of view. And different people in the audience responded to it, which people do. They boo and they cheer and all that sort of thing. So I think it was very difficult to keep together. I think it was to the credit of both that they tried and they kept it more or less together. So I don't think that that was a, a mistake. Uh, if you want to uh, unify a party, that's the kind of thing you have to try. And what, what's your sense of whether the Democratic Party is going to have a come to Jesus, uh, or maybe in this case, come to Bernie moment, um, or, or, or whether they're not going to? Because especially because you have the perspective of what happened with labor here. Yes. Well, you're right. I think there's so, so many similarities. Uh, a part, for this, but it's a very hard question to answer. First of all, to my mind, there isn't any this great unified thing that you can call the Democratic Party. It's hundreds of different factions, partly because of geography, this state and that state and so on, and not necessarily the same people or even the same principles. Um, I think what's happening, I read almost every day, because I follow Bernard very <laughs> great affection. Um, there are elections, state uh, house elections, uh, uh, congressional elections, and very often there's two two people running, and one of them is more identified with Bernard, usually not exactly identified, and one is more identified with the mainstream Democratic Party. So I think that I can't see how that is avoidable. That's going to happen. Uh, I think the movement is in the direction of Bernard, but by some no means overwhelming yet. Uh, he, he wins some, he loses some. Um, but, but the Democratic Party is this great inchoate mass is shifting and battling. And I have no idea where it's going to come out, but it will come out somewhere different from where it's been. Yeah. I, I like that you said that you, you follow uh, your brother closely. I, I only have one sister. And if she was the most popular politician in the country, and by the way, in one poll, the most popular person in the country, I think I'd follow her pretty closely. <laughs> I follow her pretty closely as it is because she's yeah. my sister. But if, if she was in that kind of role, I would be, I don't know, I'd be amazed. It'd be wonderful. It'd be oh, it amazing. Is. It is wonderful, but I have to I have to confess I followed him just as closely when he was at three <laughs> percent. <laughs> of course, because he's your brother. So actually let's talk about that for a second, because that's the upside is wow, that's a hell of a thing for your brother to be the most popular person in the United States of America. Um, on the other hand, uh, the attacks have begun again. Yes. Yeah. And they will only intensify. Yes. And they're then they will only get more and more personal and they've begun to get more personal. So what's your take on that? Well, it is frightening. It's a very, uh, f to, to go to the extreme, it's a, not an un unviolent country. It has uh, killed its best people in the past, so I've always had a, a, a fear of that uh, happening. But the personal attack, leaving the horror out, uh, is frightening. He's a human being. He's, not the, he's very strong. And he's been through these things for a long time, but not at the intensity that it may come. So I'm, I am worried about that, yes. But I have to tell you something else that's a little less flattering to myself. He would do better, Bernard would do better in this constituency than I would, uh, having lived here for 47 years. Uh, Why do you think that's the case? If you walk down the street, people come up to me. They don't say, oh, I'm so glad, you know, your marvelous speech. She God, your brother. Wow. <laughs> so it, it really is true. And when he's, on, he's, he's in Britain in the, next week for a book, selling his lovely book, Our Revolution, 
which which I've actually read. <laughs> right below. Even, even though I'm only in the first few pages, I read a lot of the rest of it. Uh, you, you love it at the end when it gets to me. <laughs> <laughs> they book his book publisher booked all these big venues, a thousand to two thousand people. They all sold out within an hour, including in Oxford. Yeah. I would not sell out. In an hour. <laughs> Do you think there's a force driving it, uh, whether it's attacks against Jane Sanders or mm. anything else, or it's just natural course of events? Well, I have no idea, really, but what Bernard is doing is very big. He, he picks up a, a country with an ideology densely funded and very old, saying that you have to listen to the market. Somebody else, they're going to make the decisions. He, you can't elect people to change the country. That can't be done. That's not the way it works. And he comes along and he says, oh, by the way, if we want to work together, we can have all these good things. We can have a health service for everybody, etc., etc." And all these people who've made their living and their ideology is suited by the old idea are, are desperately threatened by that. And, and it's the same kind of pressures things are happening here. We've had this neoliberal ideology you have to wait for the market to move. If you just because you want a good health service, just because you want housing for everybody, that's not good enough. And Bernard says, yeah, that's good enough. We can do it. And it changes the world. And I think when you want to change the world, there you have opposition. So then let's wrap up by looking at the U.S. and the U.K. and, and the future. So whether it's with Bernie or not with Bernie, putting personalities mm. uh, aside, do you think that the Democratic Party and, and the U.S. overall head towards a more uh, progressive position? Are you hopeful about that? Or, or I mean, we've got yeah. Donald Trump as president, and he just won, so that, that, that is certainly cause for pessimism. Yes. So which, which way do you go on that? Well, I think we're... I, I, I won't come up with an answer. It, it's a very deep struggle. This is a, a whole idea of how you live your lives, and... It's not going to end in, you know, in one election. Uh, the struggle is more conscious now than it was 10 years ago. We had the same struggle. Some people were being badly treated and some people were walking off with billions. That continues. But now we know it's, it's out in the, in the public. And it's the same here and it's the same in America. There is, and, but how, how the, it doesn't end actually. History doesn't really end. But the, the struggle over the next period of time is is happening, and I think that's a tremendously optimistic thing. But I've seen Trump get elected. I've seen a, a big a referendum here swing on hatred of minorities. Um, there are there are two sides to this. So we're looking at fifty fifty. We're we're we're, <laughs> we're looking at life and death. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunately the consequences when it comes to politics. Uh, have you heard of the Justice Democrats? I have heard of the Justice Democrats. <laughs> okay, what do you think? Is that well, I, I think I think it's astonishing, and I think your organization and several other organizations similar, which I'll forget the names of, the fact that they're all over the place. There are powerful groups coming together and saying we we know what we need to do, and we're going to not just talk about it, we're going to try to make it happen. I think that has to be marvelous. Wonderful. And then uh, on the UK, uh, also 50-50 on whether it's going to head in a progressive direction or what's your sense? Well, I think it's the same thing. We, we're in for a long-term struggle. Uh, whoever wins in, in, in this election, we'll have to fight for the health service. We'll have to fight for a decent society. 
the more we can get it out and people know that there are choices, the better it is for all of us. Well, then we ended perfectly as Bernie ended uh, his primary run by saying the struggle continues. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Larry. Thank Appreciate you very it. much, Jake. If you like the interview that you just watched, I got great news for you. If you become a Young Turks member, you could watch them live as they happen. Only the members get that. You also get uh, Young Turks live. You also get Aggressive Progressive live and Old School live. Everything is available for the members and commercial free. TYTnetwork.com slash join.